Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To find out who was the best Chris? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Double Feature, where we get uh, double the new releases, uh, double the uh, Janelle Monet uh, riding on a horse uh, with the axe in slow motion talk. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which movie? So today we're talking about Antebellum and Cajillionaire, two movies right. that just released recently to video on demand. And because yeah. I know Cajillionaire was like just last month, Antebellum was around like August, I think. Uh, September. September. Okay. Yeah. Um, you want to do Antebellum first? We can do Antebellum first. Yeah. So, uh,. Okay, spoiler alert, y'all, because, you know, I feel like to get to the meat of how we feel about these movies, we might have to uh, bring up some spoilers. So, you know, uh, watch these films before you come in. Or if you don't care to watch them and you want to just hear what we say and we sway your opinions, that's the way to live life. Sorry. Also, this is going to be one of the first times that it's a new movie for both of us, for both films. And we haven't talked about these at all prior to hitting record today either. No, we haven't. That that was surprising because I was expecting Brad to hit me up like um because you did hit me up and said, hey, I just watched this. I'm about to watch this. And I was almost tempted to say, all right, what you think? Yeah. But instead, I said, you know what? Let's 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 talk about how we think in the episode because that might make it more fresh. Right. Yeah. That was my thought. It too was kind of going, hey, I watched this one. We'll definitely have stuff to talk about. <laughs> we do. We do. Um. So basically, uh. The premise of Antebellum, at least, you know, the uh, the, the premise that the film wants you to think from the beginning of. You have a woman that's on a, um, you know, southern slave, slave plantation uh, in, you know, I guess around 19th century. Um, so you're following her for the most point, And you, there's something off. You don't quite know what it is, uh, but something's off. And then the movie switches narrative uh, to the same woman um, in modern day who is an uh, author and an activist. And um, I, I mean, I mean, just to keep the premise simple, that's kind of what it is until we get to the twist to the end. But um, so what, what what was your first thoughts about this movie? So I'll say this, the, the beginning, the like first, I'm going to say 30 minutes or so of it before it switches to modern time. Uh, that tracking shot is awesome. That opening tracking shot. That, that was well opening done. was great. Uh, there were a lot of like great scenes. Um, I can't remember the name of the main actress, but throughout the entire Janelle movie, Monet. she yeah, Janelle Monet, she is absolutely perfect the entire movie. Uh, she gave like eleven out of ten in terms of acting for this movie. The entire time, she was jumping every scene and playing the role perfectly. Uh, her emotions, every, all her movements, like even like her tone when she's talking in different scenes, it it definitely brings the difference of the two personalities to life. The one you see at the beginning of the movie and the one you see after it gets back to modern time. Right, because she right. plays both characters. Yeah. 
So um, the, the yeah, I felt. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was gonna say the on, on the slave plantation scenes. I love the emotion she shows on her face because she gives little dialogue. Yes. Mostly because on the plantation you're not allowed to speak, which you know by the time you learn the twist, you know why. Uh, which I got some things to talk about, but um, I feel like the plantation scenes. He's great in modern day. I I like her performance. I just don't like the dialogue they give her. Yeah, she has very preachy dialogue throughout yeah. the entire like modern part. Like not even like subtle preachy, more like you know bull in a glass shop, you know sprinting through the store kind of subtlety. Yeah, like like the the racial subtext of this movie is not subtext. Yeah, it's, it's in your face. Yeah, it, basically the entire modern part can be summed up by like holding a piece of paper up that says racism bad. <laughs> right, right. You know, but it, everything on the plantation part is it, it's strange. You kind of get this weird feeling because I went into it completely blind. I didn't watch any trailers or anything for it. Hey, uh, me too. So I've only seen a few teasers, but I didn't really know what what, what was going on. Yeah. So when it goes from the plantation, you're watching the entire thing and I'm like, okay, this is going to be like a civil war, you know, movie and everything like that. This is interesting. I'm liking this. This is, you know, I'm waiting for the horror parts to come in because there was really no horror in it. And I I still have that feeling even toward the very end of the movie. There wasn't really any horror aspects to this. It was was more creepiness. There was a little bit of a thriller aspect to it, but I would never say it was horror. Yeah, it, it's it's creepiness and maliciousness. And that, right. that's what I saw in it. Yeah, there's a lot of I wouldn't even say creepiness. I would say just unsettling. Yeah. You know? Okay, I'll give you that. But it, the entire like first you know half an hour or so of it, when they're doing the plantation stuff, it just keeps getting like further and further into like this is unsettling. I don't like this. This is wow. This is really you know bad and kind of stuff and then it just you hear the cell phone ring and then it switches to the modern time and you're just like hold on a minute okay so this is going to be like a ghost kind of like vibe because it's the her ancestor or something you know this is gonna this is gonna be interesting you know this is i like this because then she started seeing like the people from the past uh like the lady that she was on this skype call with Gina Malone. Yes. Um, And I want to say a couple other people pop in, but I can't remember exactly who. But I remember every single time it's like, okay, that's going to be a major thing. That's going to be a major thing. You know, this person is like a descendant and everything. And it keeps going along with that. And then giving the whole like racism bad speech uh, over that entire thing. Uh, But my paying attention was going okay so where are the context clues for where this is going i'm i'm looking for that you know where's the connection here between the past story and this one because it starts with her like holding her back where the brand was uh that she got or that the previous version got and you're like okay the brand isn't there so she can still feel the pain so that must have been like a dream for her or something okay so this is all weird let's see where this goes and I don't know how you felt about the twist, but I feel like it was the biggest letdown <laughs> in all of cinema that I've seen. I I, I wouldn't give it that much credit. Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like with, with the twist of the film that you know this whole time uh, Janelle Monae as well as as well as you know other black people were held captive for this uh, Confederate um, 
museum-like uh, reenactment and were actually treated like slaves. That's the twist of the movie. They're not, yeah. She's not in slavery time. She's been a captive this whole time. The twist itself, on paper, like this movie's whole premise on paper is very exciting and fresh and new. Right. Like, I could imagine being in a room with the pitch meeting and even telling me that twist. I'd be like, you know what? I will put this money... I, I, I will put money on this film as a producer. Because the premise is great. Like, it's a very edgy premise, um, but the execution is not as great. Like, like the like, I feel like the execution should have matched the story. Like, if, if, if the landing of the twist... If the landing on, on many parts in this film were as great and hard-hitting... I would have forgive I would have forgive forgiven the plot holes of that twist because the the film does have plot holes. Oh, plenty um, of them. But how I felt about it, I felt like from a writer's standpoint, it's it was ingenious. I just felt like the execution could have been better. Yeah, I can say like on paper, it's it's a great twist, yeah. but the way that it shows it is you know you're still in the modern time, and then you see her get kidnapped by the daughter of the plantation owner uh the same girl that she was on the skype call with earlier and Mm -hmm. you see it her all of a sudden go back to uh waking up she was his wife the owner um oh go ahead i thought it was her his daughter because uh i thought they were married him uh talking about the dude with the uh with the uh evil like beard right yeah i don't know how to say it with the evil mustache yeah um Oh, I thought that was his wife. I, I don't know. I'm I'm 90% sure it was his daughter because they said that a couple times in the movie. I'm pretty sure. Because uh, she was the one handpicking the slaves except for this one girl who uh, he specifically wanted because of her activism. Right, right, right. And yeah, so after... It goes back from the present day. It goes back to the fake past, which you now know is the future. And it he continues to wake up in the same scene with the cell phone ringing, except this time it's a cell phone of the uh, plantation owner, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the guy that was in bed with her. Um, yeah. And, and again, like the framework of that is not bad. It's just that. So this, this whole film, something is off. Like, I feel yeah. like it's the writing. Like, the storyline is there, but as far as dialogue and character and themes and morals, I feel like everything is kind of pushed to the extreme. Like, more than it should be. Yeah, because even, like, the other actors beyond the main actress, I really uh, don't remember much about their performances. Dude, they- Gabourey Sidibe's character was so annoying. The, the, the best friend. Oh, yeah. The she one that they so went to the bar with, and she was like, that ain't no way to pick up a girl like me. Her? Right. Yeah, you know, like, we're not going to sit at this table. We're going to sit at that table. Again, overly, uh, kind of you kind of throwing the message in our face uh, intensely. Mm-hmm. There's a way to have a, uh, a supporting, like, like black female character that's obnoxious, but also funny, but also great, a great addition to the film. Tiffany Haddish and Girls Trip, you know, she she was great in that movie. A great sidekick that was a little obnoxious, a little funny, but very compelling. Gabri Sidibe, I, they, I think they did her wrong with this because her character was just like, she was just obnoxious. I didn't find anything great about her. You know, yeah. like, she was kind of a dick. 
you know, that there'll be moments where it's, it looked like Janelle Monet kind of want to look to the directors past the camera like, really, y'all going to make her that loud? Like that loud? <laughs> you know? Sound guy, but, just the boom mic right in her mouth, just right there. Right. <laughs> Perfect. We'll green screen it out later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like this movie, it... it with such an edgy premise, it was just such a bare-bones mainstream Hollywood movie. And I don't know if that's studio interference or maybe that's the director's choice because they, they wrote the film and directed it. It's a team of mm-hmm. directors of Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, who I believe before this film had directed a few music videos. The direct the direction of the film is confident. The execution, like, that's a little, that's, that's a little contradictory. The directing... The shots in the film are confident. Uh, the All cinematography together, is on point. It is. The it is. like zoom ins, the zoom outs, the pans. Every scene captures a great emotion, but then people open their mouths and it kind of ruins everything from there. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's, it. It looks good. Uh, look all good, look wise, but no show. Or you yeah. know, it 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 walks the walk, but it doesn't. I mean, it talks to talk, but it doesn't walk the walk specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Visually, it, the movie is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, plot wise, it's very interesting. It just doesn't pull it off. And yeah, a lot of the like, uh, there's actually more power in the silence of the movie than there is in any of the actual dialogue. I'd absolutely agree. You know, I feel like. Um, there is power in the silence. I feel like when you go, when you look at the twist, it requires a little bit of suspension of, it requires suspension of disbelief. Um, because you, you say to yourself, so you're telling me this whole time as sightseers are coming into this plantation and seeing these people, nobody says anything. And I know people aren't supposed to talk or whatever, but mm-hmm. nobody at one point says, this is not a simulation. We're really slaves here. Help. Like nobody did that once. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this one. Uh, you really have to kind of go, you know, uh, hands over your eyes, la la la. I'm not listening. Because <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's pretty bad. And I would, I was trying to think of like what would make that twist scene better. And I was thinking it should have done more of a back and forth. They shouldn't have done part one, part two, part three. It should have been part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six, et cetera. Like kind of switching back and forth between like the two. back and forth? Right. Yeah, I could see that. Like maybe every like seven to eight minutes and then kind of showing the things that are similar, but always kind of showing that she doesn't recognize these people in the modern time versus the past time. Yeah, uh, you know what though? I feel like at some point the audience would have catched on though. That that kind of would have been revealing his hand a little too much because it would have been like, okay, so I mean, if the this... audience catches on faster, is that necessarily a bad thing or is that showing your hand, you know, showing the actual like sense a little bit better? Cuz with this one, he seemed to like throw down a royal flush and everybody else was like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we all like bedded out of this round like three cards ago. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you, you were already it. winning. I don't you didn't have to like slam the cards down. <laughs> the way of flush would have had more of a dramatic effect if it was slammed down more. I wanted this ending to have more of a gut punch. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead, we got the heroic slow motion on the horse, uh, raising the the pickaxe. I think it was a hatchet. Just like, yeah, freedom. Yeah. And it's like, dude, Which this isn't Braveheart. Cinematography-wise, great scene. I loved how it looked visually. But, it, yeah, it didn't, ending, it didn't feel like an, an ending. En- it's an ending that belonged to another movie. Yes, absolutely. Like, it, it, this isn't Braveheart, you know what I mean? Like, I listen, I, I'm all for the message of freedom, you know, equality, you know, like, like end racial hatred. And you should end, because there are conf- confederate simulations out there in the United States that should be ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need to revisit. We should, we should know about it. We don't need to revisit it in real time. But I felt like, I don't know, man. This film, it had everything right to it, but it just didn't. Like, this feels like a first, a first feature but kind of in a bad way. Like, it, it's confident in its cinematography and in most of its direction. But as far as the execution, it's not, it doesn't feel that confident. It feels a little clunky. It feels a little, like, like the message of the film, like you said, is very overpowering, very in-your-face. Like, I, I, I want to see more from, from this directing duo because there are parts of this movie that I say, you know what, these guys are talented. With more of a strong script, and a more strong pacing, I would like to see what they can do in the future. Honestly, I, I'd put them in with the Zack Snyder effect. I want to see them direct more, but I don't want them writing the material that they're directing. That's fair. I think I they would be great as directors, but their writing style, if it's this is their like best writing, I don't think they have what it takes to go full in on a movie. I would give them that judgment based on their second film in a row that they wrote and directed. If that film mm. is bad, then I'd be like, okay, now you, you guys just be the directors. Don't don't write your own scripts no more. Yeah. Off one film, I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested in seeing them direct something that they didn't write and also another thing that they've directed and written and see how they both turn out. Because their directing could also be a one shot with this one where, you know, they just got really lucky with a lot of those shots. Mm-hmm. And because they wrote it, they knew how to direct those scenes a little bit better. I mean, the film the film is confident in this first half. Like I said, the opening tracking shot is great. Um, it keeps you hooked in like, you know, um, every like the staging of that first shot is great. But as it goes on, it's like, OK, what what's the play here? What What are we doing? Mm-hmm. When, when it switches perspective with the with the cell phone, okay, I'm still engaged. I'm still I'm still trying to see what's going on here, and then I'm taking time with some characters that I don't care about. So I'm still kind of wondering what the hell's going on. And by the time you show me your hand, um, I'm like, yeah, I you, you know you you led me this far, and I kind of just I, I kind of was just watching for shits and giggles by this point. Yeah, and, and not and now that you've put this, you know outlandish twist in my face which again if everything up to that point was straight spot on i wouldn't have cared how outlandish the twist was but you know now that everything up to that point was a little clunky now i'm like oh now we got even more uh weird twist yeah and i'll even say there's a lot of like subtle kind of things in the movie that don't even pay off at all uh like the butterflies was there any payoff for the butterflies that that i missed I was asking myself, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. I mean, you can look at it as the butterfly effect. I think if you if you kill a butterfly in, in the future, you, you undo, you do something weird in the past. like that, Other way that around. Saying. 
It, like if you oh. kill do something in the past, it has the butterfly effect. So even if you like kill a single butterfly, it changes the way that like time would go based on how that butterfly would have lived its life. Maybe I wasn't using my brain enough, but I think this film was trying to make a message with that. Maybe it was trying to have use the butterfly as a symbol because it's even on the poster of the film. And I'm like, is it on the poster? Right. I didn't notice it on the po- I didn't look up the poster to be honest, but yeah. it's like every like scene with the butterfly. I was like, okay, that's gonna mean something. That's gonna mean something. And then by the end, I was like, okay, what did the butterfly mean? That was like all over the place, and it led to nothing. Uh. I did like how they had, like, the branding logo, like, show it on, what was it, the cell phone background for the one lady and stuff. And it's like, okay, so this is a clue as to something. I don't know what it means yet, but it's a clue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple, like, little subtle hints as to what's going on. And then, but a lot of them really didn't even have payoff at all. Yeah. You know, I don't, um, man, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Uh, you know, I, another thing that's implausible to me is that you're really telling me there wouldn't, there, there wasn't at any point going to be an uprising. Like, like, like it just, it just took that one moment for them to find a cell phone to be like, okay, now let's call out. And you you weren't going to uprise before then. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, again, I, I didn't live back in those times and I give respect to my ancestors, you know, for going through that and, you know, weathering that storm. But part of me is like, there would have been some uprising at some point, especially when we're living in present day. I was going to say, like, this is modern times. These There right. would have been some kind of like run through and risk it in the middle of the day kind of thing, especially when there's people around that are like outside of this. You know, they're not going to shoot somebody in like broad daylight when they have visitors there. And you would have, you know, they had plenty of opportunity to make a run for it and actually get people's attention. Like you said, you you would have sold me if they had only been on that plantation for two days. I'm like, OK, 48 hours. That can take a little bit of a shock and a little bit of planning to get out of. But I think they were there for longer than, than 48 hours. And I'm like. That doesn't seem feasible to me. We would have at some point uprised and got out of there. Right. Like, that doesn't seem feasible to me. Yeah, there's – yeah, it's pretty – you really have to cover your eyes and just la, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> and you're telling me one of these guys that played – well, no, I can believe that. I'm going to leave that alone. But um, I, I don't know. Part of it, it really does require suspension of disbelief. It's like when you watch, it's like I told you, when I saw The Last Airbender uh, in, in theaters and every and some people were clapping in the end, um, they kind of brainwashed me to clap. It was the clap effect. I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe what I saw was a good movie. Then I rewatched it later and said, nah, that was bad. Yeah, this one, I at the end, even if I was in a theater with people clapping, I still would have been like, what was that? <laughs> I don't get it still. <laughs> No, I got it. It just it just wasn't a, a good trick. Right. Uh, yeah, I get this one. You know, when I got done watching it, man, because I, I looked at it from a screenwriter standpoint, I gave it a light three just because just because of the premise, because the premise is exciting. Um, I don't even know if it's a light three anymore, man. I, st- all right, I still give it a light three strong two point five for me. Uh, it, it's a two out of five for me. It, OK, the, the plot is 
there, but it's not executed well enough. This, the only thing really holding it up is the main actress, her acting, and the cinematography. That's really all that's holding this movie up. Yeah, I, uh, I ain't mad at that. Yeah. The, everything else around it just kind of falls to the ground around it. You know, there's there's really nothing else. Uh, the general concept is great, terribly executed. Uh, yeah, it's it's a two out of five for me on this one. Mm-hmm. All right, nope. That, um, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was entertaining. It was entertaining at least. Uh, but um, on to the next one. We have a Kajillionaire, which was a much better surprising watch to me. You want to take it away? So this one follows a family of very like uh i guess government conscientious people that are trying to live off the grid as much as possible they have some crazy beliefs <laughs> and i'm trying to remember what her they're name con is artists. yeah they're con artists uh old dial her name is, her name is old dolio dine old dolio old dolio yeah. which yeah, the entire movie, it starts off making you go, okay, I, I'm kind of like enthralled to see what's going on here. Uh, this is another it's one. Going. Where I, yeah, where is this going? Uh, because uh, this is another one where I didn't see the trailer or read anything on the movie. I just jumped into it and started watching it. Uh, the only things I knew were crime and drama were the kind of genres that it goes into. So... It starts off with you seeing old Dolio like do these like gymnastic moves to evade a camera to get into a post office to then steal mail from other people's P.O. boxes by reaching all the way out into uh, the open area of the post office and then grabbing right, them from right. the boxes next tier. <laughs> and you start going, OK, this is this is going to be an interesting movie. This is this is going to be one of those like really into crime things and from there it just all these weird things keep happening to this family that you know are very like unsettling you know like when there's like a little earthquake they all like stop and they're like don't touch anything it's it's all live this, this might be the big one this might be this the, might big, be the one. big one and right. you know the entire time i i I can honestly say I was about still like an hour and 20 minutes into this hour and 25 minute movie and going, where is this movie going? <laughs> you know, I, I had that same thought, but like once it was all, all over and I really tried to put everything together, like um, I said, this film was this film like like was really like telling more than it was showing um, like that. When you when you really take in the themes of what this film was presenting, like it really does. It really does all make sense. Um, yeah. I wanted to say um, the writer director Miranda July, who I, I was familiar with before I saw this movie, but I never saw any of her films. Like, I know she's an indie darling. Uh, uh, I know she made like a um, a couple movies that are like uh, really critically acclaimed, like The Future, Me and You, and Everyone You We Know. So when I walked into this, I said, "Okay, this is an indie darling, um, and this movie has gotten great reviews." And like you, I didn't know much about it except I know it delved into crime. Um, but I was like pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, when Gina Rodriguez's character shows up, Melanie, 
when they uh when her and her parents meet her on the plane when they're running this scam of oh yeah trying trying to get money back from a suitcase dude gina rodriguez she is instantly charming the moment she pops on screen dude as soon as like the parents walked away with her in the airport scene i was like oh she's gonna be my new favorite character in this i can already tell i I absolutely love her and yeah because the entire time there's like this subtle kind of feeling that this isn't really a family you know yeah that they don't have this family dynamic and then you keep getting that kind of presence and everything like that and then it just comes out full force and you see it in one scene where the parents are not parents at all uh this is they see their daughter as just a another partner in their schemes not as a family that's what I was going to say, man. Like the scene, like, okay, before we get to that, though, um, performances, uh, Evan Rachel Wood with the whole like, like dark, deep voice, like she killed it in the lead role, man. Oh, I think everybody in this, the f- four Everyone. leads were uh, absolutely Richard perfect. Jenkins, Deborah Winger, they're, they're all great. They're, they're, they're great performances. And, you know, the thing I like about these characters is that they're not one dimensional. Even though the parents are straight up con artists, like in they are, like Gina Rodriguez says in one scene, monsters, like they still have multiple dimensions to them. Like when, um, okay, so when, so when we get to the ending where they, they essentially con their daughter, they swindled their own daughter, I think in that speech that Richard Jenkins was given, I don't think he was lying. He was, he was, he was given that speech so they could swindle them, but mm-hmm. I don't think there was a lie in what he was saying to her. Right. It, it was truthful stuff, but it was being presented in a way to, like, emotionally manipulate them. Right. And, like, I really feel like this film, um, I really feel like this film was about rebirth. Because I feel like th- this is a woman whose whole life has been a con. Her mm-hmm. own birth, her own birth, her, uh, she says it in a scene where she goes to um, um, a class where they, they, they show you how to, uh, how, to, how to live with your newborn baby. Oh, another, yeah. That's another baby motif because she feels like a baby even at 26 years old. You know, she says, um, oh, I got this baby named Old Doyo. We called her that so we can swindle this old man who had the same name into thinking it was his kid. And, like, she's talking about her life. Like, her mm-hmm. whole life has been – like, her, her life itself, her existence has been a con. Yeah, In that it, moment – Every yeah. time she gives new details about her life in some way, it just gets more depressing. Yeah, depressing and like fascinating at the same time. Like, like the writing of this movie is so good in, in that they ha- it had me thinking about it after I watched it. Like, I, I the movie has like different motifs that you don't even know are motifs when they show to you. Like when they're in the bathroom and it's dark and the stars pop out and they and she walks out of that bathroom. I feel like she's being reborn. Mm-hmm. Like she's not old Dolio anymore. Like she she walks out of that bathroom. The earthquake happens. She says, "Oh, this is death." We we only wanted to swindle you, and and I, I my my whole life has been a sham. And then she walks out of the bathroom. This is such a funny, cute moment to me when she goes in uh Seven Eleven and just grabs all the chips. Oh, this is so good. Oh, yeah. oh this is so good. I want to buy this. I want to buy this. It's like she. Have you tried she, all these things? Have you tried this? Oh my God, this looks amazing. Have you tried this? Right. It's like a new person. She's like she's like she shakes the guy's hand like we lived through the big one. We lived through the big one. And it's like you a girl that you once felt sad about up to this point, you kind of like proud that she's her own person at this point. 
and like Gina Rodriguez like brought that out of her. Like like I feel like this film is about rebirth and like claiming and like knowing your worth. Well, that's that's the uh, that's the tagline on the poster. Know your worth. And the mm-hmm. film is called Gajillionaire. I feel like this is a person learning about their own worth as an individual and not being dependent on their parents. Right. It, it's definitely a very like coming to terms with your past not being the way you should be in the future. You know, she mm-hmm. very much wants to get out of the lifestyle her parents are bringing her into. And I love the scene where they're in the apartment and uh, it it's brought up, you know, my brother was an addict. You know, he would be fine for like weeks and then he just have that spring where he need to go back. And, you know, it's like, OK, that's that's a powerful kind of like subtle way of going. Yeah, this is exactly why she keeps wanting to go back to her parents. It's it's an addiction. It's what she knows. It's what she feels comfortable with, even though she doesn't like it. It's where her comfort level is. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. Um, one thing I was gonna say because I wrote a few notes on this movie. Um, <laughs> the the one liners in this film, as well as the side con the side characters, like they really do fit. Like this is a. Um, when this film first started, it threw me for a loop because I said, like, this comes off like a white, quirky parasite. Like a family that are like a family of con artists that are just trying to like get over and get money. Mm-hmm. And then it revealed itself to be something different as it went on. Like um, like the guy who's the landlord of the place they live in where the, the bath water keeps running down every 15 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah, the soap water. Yeah. <laughs> He says, he says, look, we're going to pay you a monthly installment. No, no, rent is monthly installment. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just cries out of nowhere. He says, I have no filter. <laughs> He's such an interesting character. And, um, and uh, you know, uh, some, some guy at, at the baby making class gave her like a wood toy. And then her mom was like, if a man oh, it was a, a toothpick. Toy, right. It was a toothpick. In the, in the, it was a toothpick. And then her mom was like. If a man gives you a little piece of wood, he's telling you, uh, I got wood. Or like, you know, no, you, you give, give me wood. Me wood. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of strange lesson, parent lesson is that? Yeah, there, there's so many great like little moments in this movie that are absolutely hilarious. And there's a lot of like background imagery too. like the person that paid her to initially go to the positive parenting class uh, in a later scene where she goes on her own. You can see that that girl's in the positive parenting class. You know, she's in the background as one of the characters that's in the class the next time she goes. Oh, oh, she's oh, she, she did. So she did finally show up. Yeah, so it's more like she wasn't evading it. She just wasn't able to go that one time, and she didn't want to miss, you know, having the sign off for it and everything. So you oh, see that the people that. around aren't terrible people. You know, it's like uh, another thing is the family of the that she goes to at the beginning, where she has to like put on the Catholic schoolgirl outfit to, right, you know, right. bring something back to them. What was it? A watch. And they give her the coupon for her daughter with chiropractic. And she comes out and she's like, they wouldn't stop talking about how successful she is and how good she's doing and everything like that. And they just wouldn't stop talking about her. It's all they talked about was her, her, her. And you can already see kind of like looking back at it, the difference of that family that's proud of their daughter versus 
the family she's a part of that really just sees user. her as a partner. Yeah, she's an object, a tool to be used for their crime syndicate of sorts. And, it, and even when she goes to the massage therapist and, you know, and she kind of like, you know, she doesn't like to be touched. You yeah. know, even the massage therapist kind of sees something wrong. Like even when her parents come in, like, uh, so can we trade this for something? And she kind of looks at them like, you know, you, you got a adult daughter here that doesn't even like to be touched. Yeah. There's something going on here, you know. And not only that, but then later on in the movie, you see that she's working at the restaurant. So even then, like, her parents are so proud of her and everything like that, but she's still working two jobs in order to just make ends meet. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like the romance scene, the, the romance dynamic between um, Evan Wood and Gina Rodriguez is interesting, too, because you're looking at both of these characters who... Even G- Gina Rodriguez's mother, which we rarely see her talk to through her phone, who we, we never see her face, um, you could tell she has some problems with her mother. Um, we never quite know why it is. We It's kind of hinted at that, that because Gina Rodriguez is a lesbian, her mother probably doesn't talk to her as much, or it could be something else. It's never quite explicitly made why her and her mother don't get along, but you have both of these characters who haven't been given the love from their parents that they deserve well it's it's not only that but the other thing i don't know if you realized it but they show that they're both basically their parents know nothing about either of them but they both have a different perspective of parents where old dolio her parents you know know nothing about her but they don't try and give her anything uh with gina's parents she you know her parents know nothing about her but at the same time they try they're trying to you know keep in contact they're trying to make sure she's safe make sure that she has everything she needs and it's made through like one clever scene of dialogue where Odolio holds up like a mug heating pan and Mm -hmm. she goes yeah my mom got it for me I'd never use it because I don't need it but every once in a while she'll get two of something and she'll send it to me you know, kind of showing that there's that level of care, but still, her mom knows nothing about what she needs. There's no communication. There, right. There, there, there's a lot of doing, but no talking. Right, which is the exact opposite of old Dolio, who has, you know, it knows nothing about it, but her parents aren't even trying. Mm-hmm. So you have that, like, connection where they both have something the other wants, but they're both still in the same situation. And it's like, I love that dynamic that they had where they kept showing that. They they even had the fake family scene where they went to the old guy's house. Yes. Um, and they had they had they, they just acted like a family for a few moments. Like that was a that was a telling scene, too. This film has a lot of great nuances to it. And it has a lot of great like 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 it reveals its hands slowly through its dialogue and through its its, its characters. Like this is a well-written film. Yeah, this is the subtle, slow burn movie. The one where you're putting the pieces together and you're kind of going, okay, I can see where this is going. And it still continues to surprise you as the movie goes on. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like, even when they finish the dinner scene and they go back to the apartment and everything, you know, Odolio uh, and Gina have the conversation of, if the money's still there, then this was all real. If it's gone, they were faking the entire thing. But only if $525 are there, that means that it's still the partnership, that's her share, and that's all this will ever be. That's 
you know, that's a good way of looking at it because I looked at it as um, leaving the receipt to return those things. It puts them one notch above terrible. Not totally terrible, but one notch above terrible because they at least gave her some money. They said, all right, this is your severance pay. If, if we're done, you know, we're done. But we, we ain't going to leave you totally without money. Yeah. But the no, way you looked at it, it was pretty good, too. Yeah, it's the if. Well, it's what she says is literally if the five hundred and twenty five is there, then that's them saying this is how it is. And that's how it'll always be a partnership. You know, which means that the whole family dynamic that they were trying to push before during dinner was a lie and she'll never well, be able to have a family with them. Well, it was more than that, wasn't it? I'm, I'm talking about not not with the money she got back with the whole uh, toys and stuff. I'm talking about the money that Gina Rodriguez was hiding that little like 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 door thing. Like I thought it was more money than that. Uh, it was one thousand five hundred and seventy five dollars, which split three ways is five twenty five each. Oh, well, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the returning of the gifts was her third of the money from the check. Okay. Yo. Oh, well, you're right then. That is the only way of them. Oh, I didn't even notice that, man. Yeah. I didn't even notice so that. Yeah. I love that about this movie. It's subtlety in layers that like even right. now you're kind of still realizing, oh, that was a whole other layer that they threw into this movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm just noticing that now. Yeah, this is a pretty um that's the only way to capable of loving her. You're right. That that it is what it is. Yeah. Well, even like when they're doing uh the dinner th- scene and they give her the box with the necklace and everything. The mother goes, you know, it's refundable. And it's like, okay, that's going to that's going to come up somewhere. I don't know yeah. where, but it's going to come up somewhere. I knew there was a reason they said that. You yeah. know, I'm like, they, they're saying that for a reason. Right. Because that's a, one thing with the dialogue is there's no wasted dialogue in this movie. Every point of dialogue has its purpose somewhere. And it's one of the few movies I've seen that actually manages to pull that off where there's no wasted dialogue. Yeah. they. It's like even when they take a... even. <laughs> Even before that failed seduction of Gina Rodriguez's character, where oh, yeah. boy hops in the pool and then his wife comes out and says, "Oh, we're just trying to give you what you want." You like they, you could tell they take a little bit of a kinship to her, like like you know, like they. Again, when when you think you know where this film is going, it goes in a completely different direction. I looked at it as Evan Rachel Wood character was going to think like 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 Gina Rodriguez was taking her place as the daughter. Like she was taking her spot. I thought the film was gonna go there, mm-hmm. but then it went somewhere completely different. Where you know, her and Gina kind of start to fall in love through that whole like nail peeling scene, where um, Evan Wood kind of like tries to take the nails off um, Gina Rodriguez's finger, uh, which I think is such a bizarre but like touching scene. You know, um, yeah, this film takes a lot of different directions, and I feel like it is it is telling through the dialogue and through moments where you know dialogue isn't spoken. Right. Yeah. And then just like going back to the scene where they were pretending to be a family, how the father breaks it up by going, check if he's dead and see if he has a checkbook in his room. You know, there's got to be a checkbook somewhere here. Just showing that it was all an act entirely. You know, everything Mm -hmm. that she was hoping for, you know, was given to her as an act. And then, yeah, there's just it's a brilliant movie. 
the writing, the pacing, the acting, just everything is on point for this movie. It is. And at the same time, as much as I love this movie, I can understand why general audiences aren't enjoying it as much. Because I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score on this one and Antebellum at the end. Just to kind of see if my opinion was kind of matching up with others or if I was missing something. Especially with Antebellum, because I watched it and went, that movie was terrible. Did I miss something? Hold on. Let me just double check reviews. Okay, no. I'm I'm on point with reviews. For this one, I was kind of surprised because critics loved it, but general audiences, the rating was like 30-something percent. Yeah, I feel like a movie like this is hard to market. Um, it, it's hard to uh, kind of get asses in seats to see a movie like this unless they're familiar with the director. Because from what right. I understand, Miranda July's other films are like this. You know, they, they go in directions you don't expect them to go in, and, you know, they're very touching you know, emotional, um, intimate stories. So I, a film like this is hard to market, just like Ryan Gosling in Drive, which I love that movie. But that movie was marketed to look like Fast and Furious, just more violent. And it turned out to be something different. And mm-hmm. a lot of audiences were mad at that movie. Um, so it, it, I can understand how it could be hard to market a movie like this. It, it was marketed as a quirky film, which it is. A little bit of crime, which it is. But that's not what the film is. Right. So I, I, I can understand audiences going, that was a little weird and kind of just walking away and shrugging instead of like really thinking about it like, you know, we are right now in that um this movie is more than meets the eye. Yeah, there's it's the subtle imagery, the kind of pacing of it all. Every line of dialogue counts for something, you know, and mm-hmm. most of the dialogue doesn't even make sense until later in the movie. So. Right. It, it, there's a lot of that you have to be able to like have callback memory for a lot of things that honestly shouldn't be connected but they are mm-hmm. so it's yeah it, it's a brilliant movie i absolutely love this one uh i can honestly say i've already recommended this movie to like four other people <laughs> after i've watched oh, really it. yeah yeah like to people oh, that God. i know they're like big into those kind of like indie films and stuff i pretty much threw it at them and went you got to watch this one this is and all of them went, I haven't heard of this movie. I went, just don't look into it at all. Just watch it. Dude, that's how I approach every movie. I mean, unless it's a director or writer I'm familiar with. Um, if I am if I get recommended something from a friend or if I see that Rotten Tomatoes, if, if, if the critical reviews are in line with something I would like, I'd be like, okay, I'll give this film a chance. I don't need to see any trailers. And that's kind of what I did with this one. I've been meaning to get into Miranda July, so I figured why not just start with her latest one. Um, yeah, man, straight, straight up five out of five for me. Yeah, I have to agree. It's, this is a five out of five movie. There, there's no way around it. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it's, it's one of the movies that I definitely wouldn't watch again on my own, but I definitely watch it with other people again. Uh, why not on your own? Uh, cause I kind of already know all the like turns that it's going to make and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And... So I feel like watching it alone, I'd probably be distracted while watching it and I'd tune into it like every once in a while. But watching it with other people, I'd kind of want to get their perspective on it and I'd be like more tuned into the movie as a result. Yeah, I feel like um, I would I would want to watch this again, either, either with my wife or on my own, uh, just to pick up on things I missed. Like I didn't even like recognize that that was the money that was supposed to be split three ways. 
I, I didn't I recognize that. I really thought, um, and that's why the dialogue is important because I really thought Gina said, look, if this money is not here, it is what it is. But there's a reason they kept showing that cash register totaling up all the amounts and then ending with old Dolio's necklace, which, you know, her mom said, hey, it's refundable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, I think her dad said that. I don't know. One of them. Her mom and, said it. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. I'm like, man, this whole film just comes together. There's like no plot holes. Well, yeah, it's well, even how no that fillers. like ending scene uh, starts with them waking up and coming out. The apartment's empty except for right. the 17 gifts still on the floor that they laid out that uh, her parents gave her before they went to dinner. And so as soon as that you see that those are the only things left, you kind of go, OK, there's a purpose to that. There's something there. Right. What is it? And then they show up at the returns thing. And I was like, oh, it's going to come up as 525. And it came up as like five or 480 or something. I think it was like for, around there, 480 or 475. And then she yeah. was like, oh, wait, the necklace. And she took it off and then it hit up 525. Yeah. Well, it was Gina that took off the necklace. She just took it off her and oh. then handed it over. And then it came up as 525. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, there's so much greatness in this movie i i absolutely loved it It, it's definitely one that i'm going to continue to recommend to people just to see what their thoughts are on it because it's one that i'm curious to see like if somebody else catches something that i didn't and then i'll have that whole like whole that was amazing kind of moment because i'm sure there's something i'm missing about the hot tub scene that i haven't caught yet same here because i i knew I knew there was something there that like maybe I'm like maybe I'm not maybe I'm not catching something. Yeah. But that that's what makes a great movie, you know, um repeat value. Yeah. Cuz I I feel like I could probably watch that hot tub scene a couple more times and still not get some subtle reference in there somewhere, but I know somebody else will watch it and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, in the hot tub scene. Did you notice how this?" and I'll be like, "That's what it was. That's what I missed." <laughs> And you know what? And we man, we could talk about this movie for hours. I feel like you can like the, her parents for for people who are like so are such dedicated hustlers. They they don't know how to how to how to spend their wealth. Like you can tell how they got to where they are. Like as soon as they get the money, old Dolio is like, "Hey, we can use this money to uh, pay for the rent." Automatically, Richard Jenkins turns his head and says, "Oh man, do you see the way I look in the mirror? I I feel like a new man." And Gina Rodriguez says, "Oh, look, hot tubs." And then it's then you, you just you just see them just go further down the hole because you can tell what how they are where they are right now because it's like it's like why why do you care about a hot tub? You got to pay the rent in that shitty place you live where the bath water keeps running down. Yeah, yeah. I also love the uh, when they're talking about the place that they're living in. You couldn't rent this out to anybody else. You know, that's a office space with, you know, leaking walls every 15 minutes. You know, I should call the HR police <laughs> about that. How about, uh, how about, uh, is she pregnant? Richard Jenkins just smells her. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's so many yeah. strange things with this movie. All right. Uh, oh, and then when they land in New York City and they kind of she's more possessed on looking over the cityscape and her parents are more possessed on eating the, uh, 
what was it the like leftovers from all the plain food that they got yeah 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 there's there's a lot to love about this movie it if you haven't seen this movie yet i highly recommend it it's it's one of those movies that you know it might not be your kind of movie but you had to at least give it a chance yeah man i'm thinking we should do this more often especially wearing the time where not a lot of films are coming to theaters right now um we, sh- we we should definitely do this more often because like this was a surprising double feature watch for both of us like neither of us seen any of these films yeah neither of us saw it neither of us talked about it beforehand but we're both on the same page for it which is also a rarity <laughs> yeah um yeah so five out of five for me uh five out of five from you i i assume oh yeah 100 percent. okay uh, any movies you watched uh, over the Halloween weekend? Uh, I'm trying to or since, think. Or since if, we talked, not really. Uh, I'm not big into watching like a lot of horror movies around Halloween or anything like that. Uh, Me neither. So I, I didn't really watch anything. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything I, besides Mandalorian. Uh, There's really nothing big that I watched this week. Aside from these two movies, I gotta check out that show. I heard it's really good. I heard this new season was straight. I heard the season premiere. I heard it. I heard it was great. Oh, it it just it basically set a precedent that the rest of the season I don't think can hit. But if it does, my God, this is gonna be a great show. <laughs> like even like if it can sh- stay on a steady level, I'd be impressed. I feel like that show is an apology to all of you that that really hated on Last Jedi and uh. <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker, uh, whatever it's called. I didn't mind those movies, man. Like, on their own, they're great. All together, it's a little uh, challenging. Yeah, they're... Yeah. Uh, I can say... I'm, I've am i been watching Star Wars as a kid. It's, it's one of those franchises that I'm very deeply involved in. And, yeah, the new movies just kind of did not do it for me. Mandalorian 100% does. This feels like old-school Star Wars. Where it's not trying to be the big flashy movie, it's trying to be its own thing, which yeah, I, I absolutely like, love. I heard it's just a straight up western. Like, I, I, don't tell me anything. I'm gonna get into it. I, I know it's a good show. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I highly recommend watch it. Just trust me. Just watch it. If you're not pulled in by the first episode, I'd be entirely surprised. No, I know it's good. Some shows I just got a feeling. I I know it's good. I'm just taking my time. I'm I'm still trying to cycle. I'm trying to be committed into finishing Monster, because I know I just I just want to get it out the way. I know it's I'm watching a good anime, but I know once I get sidetracked in the Mandalorian or the Boys, which I started, I, I'm gonna abandon Monster again, and I just want to finish Monster. <laughs> finish the one before the you jump into the next. Right. And it's so hard in the, in the age where everything is accessible. I can agree with that. Um, but I want to tell you about some movies I saw. Um, first off, man, I saw a great, a great dark science fiction film called Possessor. Um, Brandon Cronenberg, uh, who is a, a science, who is a um, director, is the who, who's also the son of uh, David Cronenberg. Are you familiar with him? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head that he's done. Videodrome and the fly, in the, the 80s fly. Jeff there Pope we go. Film. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, he's he, he's um he's David Cronenberg's son, and it shows with all the gore that's in this film. But dude, 
you you gotta at some point i don't know if you're gonna rent it or check it out wherever you gotta check it out but you need to watch possessor dude this is a great science fiction film that i i don't know if i should even tell you the plot because it's it's best experienced but uh it involves hitman it involves uh, uh mind control and just the whole psychic plane uh it's, it's a great movie dude I have written it down. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, dude, I finally saw the movie that we both said we were going to watch, that Nicolas Cage movie where, where the parents are trying to kill the kids, mom and dad. Oh, uh, what's the name of that one? I haven't I seen it yet. I just told you, mom and dad. Oh, mom and dad? Yeah, right, I had to yeah. watch that one still. So Was it good? What, like, him, that's what him and Selma Blair, it's a typical over-the-top Nicolas Cage movie. It's it's pretty outrageous. Like it's rare when a film is more outrageous than its star. Like this this is a film that makes Nicolas Cage with all his bizarreness look tame because the film is just so over the top. It's made by um one half of the team that made the Crank films. Okay. So that gives you an idea how over the top this movie is. But it's pretty much bare bones what the what the plot states. Parents trying to parents uh being brainwashed into killing their kids and it's um it's pretty fun you know the ending is kind of whatever my my wife wasn't a fan but i thought it was all right uh but it's a solid movie yeah there was another oh jujitsu have you heard anything about that movie the one with nick cage no what what, what happens in it uh it is about nicholas cage and a group of samurai sword fighters battling an alien invasion. Dude, I, I gotta admire this dude, man. He just <laughs> he just has no fear. He'll just do anything. And 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 many times, more often than not, he makes the film better. Right. Like, yeah, that's one that I, I totally forgot existed until now, but yeah, I need to see that one. Like like, you know, Jew <laughs> I would never. The Wicker Man would not have replay value without Nicolas Cage at its center. It, it just would not. I just no, would not yeah. care about that movie if it didn't have not the bees. We gotta we, we gotta revisit that sometime, man. That's our first episode, man. Yeah, gotta, another Nick Cage episode. <laughs> right at some point, you know, because we didn't we didn't even talk about Spider Man Noir, did we? Into uh, Spider Verse? No, we didn't. That's a shame. Yeah, we, we definitely got to do a Nicolas Cage part two, 100%. At some point. Um, the last thing I did uh, was um, I, 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 I caught Unhinged with Russell Crowe. And um, I, 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 it's, it's best if I just explain. So basically... Um, a woman gets into a road rage incident with Russell Crowe's character. Um, Russell Crowe is, as you can tell from the moment you see him on screen, a bit unhinged. Uh, he comes up to the woman uh, in traffic and tries to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, if you could just apologize, I apologize for not moving when the light was green. You know, uh, we, we could just move on with our day. The woman stands her ground and says, no, I'm not apologizing. Get away from me, creep. From that point on, uh, Russell Crowe's character goes on a rampage of taking revenge against this woman and hurting and killing the ones closest to her. Um, 
yeah, man. Where John Wick started with his dog being shot and going on a murderous rampage, that film was better because of just how it pulled it off and just the great action scenes. Now, let me say this. Unhinged has some great traffic action scenes. Like, the car crash scenes in Unhinged are pretty well directed. Mm-hmm. But it's just, even though you got a massive, great, star actor like russell crowe in the lead role it's like why did he agree to do this like this movie is so over the top it's not even funny like i'm watching this with with my wife who's like this could happen i'm like no 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 it couldn't (laughs) this this is so over the top and and ridiculous how have the cops not shot and killed him by this point yeah, I, 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 it's I, I, even I, I, more of a suspension of disbelief for this one working out. Oh man, by oh dude, a hundred percent. Like I would suggest you to just watch it for the for the shits and giggles, because I really listen. This is by the same guy that wrote Disturbia, and I love Disturbia as a thriller with you know Shia LaBeouf uh, in the lead role. But I when I watched this film, I was like, okay, just like John Wick on paper, this feels like an idea that's so crazy it might work, but I just didn't feel it worked. That that might be one that we had to go into in another episode at some point. <laughs> My wife's in the background defending it like it was a good movie. <laughs> no, it's not. It wasn't. I'm saying it can happen like that though. Yeah. Like you on a horn at somebody, somebody get mad, follow you, and then you don't know if they have a bad day. They might follow you and try to kill you. She's it still trying happen. to defend it. Keep blowing a horn if you want to. And she and she was kind of on my case because sometimes I don't have road rage, but I do kind of, I do I blow the horn once in a while. You know, it's 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 not a bad thing to do. Right. Not once in a while. You know what I mean? And she's like, he taught you, you in the movie how to blow the horn politely to get your friend across. All right. <laughs> Apparently, he taught me in the film how to blow the horn politely. Um, <laughs> so you're it, learning it, things from Russell Crowe. And you got Russell Crowe with a Texas uh, with a Southern like accent, like ma'am. All I needed was a courtesy tap. Like, beep, you gave me a beep. Like, you know, I, I'm just asking for an apology here. Like, his his accent was over the top, too. But the movie the movie was all right, man. It was just all right. I'm definitely you know, going to have to check that one out. It was not good. <laughs> oh. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. <laughs> definitely so. Um, all right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Uh, bye. So long. <laughs>